Welcome to Jackalopes Explore. I'm Floyd Whiting. I'm Steve Sisson. <laughs> and I'm Aaron Linden. And we are your Jackalopes. And we're missing Madison, which we I'm are super sad Madison. about. <laughs> she is not here to roll her eyes at your thoughts. <laughs> I'll try to do my best, but I, I can't. You, I, uh, yeah. It's you, a hard space to fill. I can't match her expressiveness. It right. doesn't yeah. when, it, when it comes to uh, rolling your eyes at dad jokes and things like that. <laughs> Teenage girls have got a mastery, my friend. She is, she's got it down. Yep. All right. So this week, we're actually going to be discussing some things that uh, break away from conventional wisdom. Traditional thought teaches us that the history of ancient Egypt is approximately 5,000 years old, with the beginning of what is known as the Old Kingdom around 2700 to 2200 BCE, before Common Era. Now, when it comes to those estimations, it's very hard because there's not much that we can actually carbon date. So we just kind of kind of have to go along with the evidence that we have. The conventional timeline of Egypt is actually divided into three main periods. The Old Kingdom, about 2700 to 2200 BCE. The Middle Kingdom, which is about 2000 to 1800 BCE, and the New Kingdom, about 1500 to 1100 BCE. The New Kingdom was actually followed by a period called the Late New Kingdom, which lasted to about thir- uh, 343 BCE. Now, when it comes to objects uh, in Egypt, I know they're, they're topics of discussion on just about every uh, podcast that talks about these kinds of things mm-hmm. because they they lend credence to it uh, because we can't actually date this stuff. So conventional wisdom states that the Sphinx, uh, the oldest monumental structure or sculpture in Egypt and the most recognizable statues in the world, uh, suggests that it was created by the ancient Egyptians of the Old Kingdom during the reign of Khafra. Sometime around 2500 BCE to 2532 BCE, somewhere around there. But, 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 (laughs) Robert Milton Schock is an American associate professor of natural sciences at the College of General Studies, Boston University. He argues that Egypt may have been supported a civilization or may have supported a civilization much older than those dates. Uh, He argues that the Sphinx may have actually been built not 5,000 years ago, but could have been built 10,000 years ago, right? which is significant because the oldest civilization that we know of that was capable of anything like this is the Sumerians, mm-hmm. Mesopotamia, uh, areas of Iraq. Um, we date them to about 6,000 years ago. So that would mean, if, if Shock is correct, the Sphinx itself would be 4,000 years older than the oldest civilization that we know to exist. When we start talking about years like this, thousands of years, it's very hard, I think, for us as human beings to put that scale into a sense of perceived reality. Right. Right, because we're blinks of an eye 
you know, 80 years is nothing right. compared to six, right. 10. Yeah. Humans can comprehend 100 years or so. Probably about Anything that. beyond that is just a lot. And I mean, all you really got to do is look at the argument between the boomers and the millennials. <laughs> right. <yeah>. Right. <clears throat> totally. That <laughs> small amount of change yeah. is just rocking two generations that uh, perhaps never should have actually met. So when we think about timelines... And we think about how long ago 10,000 years was. This is 4,000 years past what we know as the oldest civilization known to man, where we believe tribes started to come together. They developed burial uh, ceremonies, which is significant. Uh, they developed religion, uh, things that basically define a culture, uh, i.e., civilization well could you imagine if the sphinx was older to them by twice the amount right then the thought of christ is to us now that's pretty significant mm -hmm. very significant and when you really think about it though i mean you're talking earth right 1.8 2.3 billion years old roughly and we're talking 12,000 years, you know, from it's, then yeah. to now. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. And that space-time continuum, I guess you could call it. I mean, it's it's a blink of an eye, literally. Mm, we're absolutely. talking 100 years is a blink of an eye. 12,000 years is a blink of an eye. So for that to be possible, do I believe that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, me And too. I think we don't know the true origin history of a lot of ancient egypt well what i think is great and before i get too far into shock's theories here um i i like the idea that lately scholars are starting to question conventional wisdom mm -hmm. uh when it comes to prehistory ancient history the bottom line is the best thing that we can work off of is the trash piles of civilization before us right and we don't know how many times we rose and fell and rose and fell we really don't all we can do is look at stone carvings and make the best estimations that we can now i i appreciate when scholars step forward and admit we just don't know that's right. okay to just not know i would rather hear that than have somebody you know die on a hill trying to defend a, a, a thesis just because they don't want to lose some sort of academic authority. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, an academic is an individual who looks at evidence and still retains an open mind. You don't come to a real conclusion, and that's all right. I mean, if you have to look at your child and say, look, this is the best I can do, then that's the best you can do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't lie to them you know well <laughs> it's not good to lie to them <laughs> right, and yeah. say that you know everything <laughs> you know i think one of the best things about my father was he was never afraid to just look at me and say i don't know sure and you know that that left a whole world open for me to explore and so when traditional academics go after these scholars who are are kind of studying things against conventional wisdom you'll notice that in a lot of their papers they actually don't attack 
the theories. They attack the credibility of the person. So if, if you were to step forward and say, Floyd, I, I think this 150 years of knowledge that you've accumulated draws to the wrong conclusion, I wouldn't just say, well, I think your theories are wrong. I would go after your credibility. Sure. Because I don't want to lose some sort of authority that I have in the academic world. I completely disagree with that, and it disgusts me. Um, if you want to argue with someone, go after the theory, not the person. Right. Absolutely. Now, Robert Milton Schock uh, has, has been attacked by individuals uh, quite a bit just because he he writes a lot of books. I'm going to say that right now. And he does have some theories that go pretty far out there. Okay. So it's, it's not like, uh, they don't have ammunition, you know, when they go to this fight, but shock is best known for his fringe argument that the great Sphinx of Giza is much older than conventionally thought. And that some kind of catastrophe, okay. World ending event pole shift. <laughs> we'll get into that at some point. I would love to cover that. But... You've, you've mentioned it a few times. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Planting that seed. Yeah. That this catastrophe was responsible for wiping out evidence of a much older, mm -hmm. a significantly older, unknown civilization that we actually have no evidence except stone to really look back on. Uh, in 1991, Shock redated the monument to 10,000 to 5,000 BCE. So he left himself a 5,000 year. <laughs> when you're talking years like that, though, yeah. you get that kind of gap period. Well, you That's do, almost yeah. pinpoint yeah. compared to some of the other right. things we're talking about here. Yeah. Now, he based this off of water erosion. Mm -hmm. uh, he identified on the Sphinx enclosure walls. See, a lot of people, uh, myself included, originally thought, well, it's the Sphinx. It shows water erosion. The best evidence is actually not on the Sphinx itself. It's on the enclosure of the Sphinx. Because as the Sphinx gained in popularity, they started to try and fix it. Right. So they filled in a lot of gaps um they did a lot of repairs thinking hey this is going to bring people to egypt to check this out and it does it absolutely does oh, for sure mm -hmm. and i think uh, uh you know egyptologists and individuals out there can double check me on this but i think those repairs to his hood actually help stabilize his neck so the head mm -hmm. stays where it's at and doesn't eventually Didn't just fall, fall off. right off. right um so some of it did have some practicality but uh he bases his findings on on this water damage erosion and on findings from uh seismic studies around the base of the sphinx and which elsewhere. is interesting because when you think of the pyramids and the sphinx what do you think desert mm -hmm. yeah super absolutely. dry absolutely yeah. incredibly arid mm -hmm. and all of the evidence of the water erosion is insane like where did that come from what happened what kind of cataclysmic event caused that kind of water erosion that's so, not like just a rain here and there right but see it would so two things number one it would be thousands of years of erosion mm -hmm. okay the evidence points to thousands of years of erosion or a massive, massive. cataclysmic event that lasted a long time you know i'm gonna say it <laughs> Pole shift. Pole shift. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
when he dated it, that's anywhere from 8,000 to 3,000 years older mm-hmm. than anyone had dated it before. Now, we think about who, who, who dated this thing in the first place. Well, archaeologists. So I want you to uh, first look at the idea that he is not an archaeologist. He's a geologist. He studies rocks. He studies erosion in rocks. He studies the wear of time on rocks. He's very knowledgeable. This man writes textbooks that are used to this day. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can say, hey, well, he writes these books about kind of some out there ideas. But at the same time, he's respected enough that we use his textbooks, which refer to certain types of erosion, uh, including wind and sand. And he says that this erosion on on this uh, enclosure, it's not from wind and sand. This no, is it's water. Totally water. It yes. is water. Scotch originally went to Egypt to actually disprove the theories of John Anthony West. West was an American author and a lecturer and a proponent of this uh, the Sphinx water erosion hypothesis. West theorized that the Sphinx was built by an ancient civilization. He went a step farther and he said it was the Atlanteans who actually built this thing. You start Ooh. throwing that name around. That's him. a good topic. Too. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you start throwing that name around, people just click off. Right. You True. Know? Yes. They just, they yeah. just. Oh, here I mean, we go about the Atlantis. The next thing is flat Earth. After that. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now, Shock is not a historian. He's a geologist. He was set out to disprove these theories. Right. When when he was invited down there, he's like, "This is going to take a couple seconds. I'll jump out, be able to say that this guy was wrong, and we'll case closed." Shock. Uh, recently stated that it took about two minutes of examination for him to conclude this is water erosion. No kidding. He said as soon as he saw it, there was absolutely no mistaking it. This is not from sand. This is not from wind. This is water. Uh, Based on his educated professional opinion, uh, although there is evidence on the Sphinx itself, as I said, most of this evidence is on the enclosure. Mm-hmm. It is believed that the Sphinx was carved directly out of the bedrock. The bedrock. Now, the stones that were cut from the Sphinx were actually relocated directly east of the Sphinx, and it was used to build the great temple of the Sphinx. And so when the sun rises, the Sphinx is basically, I think, kind of looking through the temple directly at the rising sun. All right. Now, uh, uh, it's uh, there's evidence that neither the enclosure nor the temple were actually ever completed, uh, which is odd. Mm -hmm. Why would you have this massive, beautiful statue that obviously took a long time to carve? And then you just never bothered. You go, ah, it's 95% done. Yeah, we're going to call it good, right? Yeah. Well, that just, if if you were the king, the pharaoh, uh, this kafra that that ruled everything, you're not done. Right. <laughs> like, they're not going to quit in the middle of everything. What happened? What happened? Why would you quit building this temple after all this time and after all this effort? Uh, just not finish it. Salim Hassan. The first native Egyptian to be appointed professor of Egyptology at the University of Cairo, a post he held from 1936 to 1939. He was actually made the deputy director of the Antiquities Service. And when he wrote in 1949 on the recent excavations of the Sphinx enclosure itself, 
he made this note of circumstance. Taking all things into consideration, it seems that we must give the credit of erecting this, the world's most wonderful statue, to Khafra, but always with this reservation. Mm. That there is not one single contemporary inscription which connects the Sphinx to Khafra. So sound as it may appear, we must treat the evidence as circumstantial. Hmm. Until such a time as a lucky turn of the spade of the excavator will reveal to the world a definite reference to the erection of the Sphinx. So he himself even said, yes, we're going to accredit it to this pharaoh. But we have no evidence of that at Interesting. all. Interesting. So it was just based on time. Yep. Where can and you put it? I mean, if if, if I'm Kafra, right? <clears throat> I'm like signing the Sphinx. Like, <laughs> everywhere. Mine. Yeah. All over. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get even further into that. Because what a lot of people don't know is that the Egyptians never wrote about it. They never wrote about the Sphinx. They never wrote about its construction. They never wrote about its existence. It's just there. Now, could you imagine? That seems odd. Yeah, well, yeah, right? like the earliest uh, writing is when it was half buried, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Before they excavated Nothing, I mean, it. That was a long time after it was made then. So let's look at some other things and really think about it. The Greek Colossus statue. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, we don't have any evidence of this thing existing except a poem. And in that poem, the Greeks, the Greeks kept it. So we're like, okay, well, this, it, this existed. Now, could you imagine Paris not writing about an Eiffel Tower? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And the entirety of, of, of France exists and they never mention the Eiffel Tower. Could you imagine the United States existing for thousands of years and never once writing or making reference to Mount Rushmore? Right. That or makes New absolutely York or no LA sense, or, right? Yeah. Makes no sense. Now, of course, there are uh, critics of his work who, who argue against him, and, and they have their own evidence. But I would have to sit here and say, based off of Schock's knowledge and, and, and what he's looked into, I haven't looked into his other theories, um, but I did look into this. And it's awful compelling. You know, when you, when you remove one discipline of science, archaeology, and you have a fresh set of eyes, mm -hmm. geology, come and take a look at this. Tell me what the rocks say, because that's what we're basing the majority of this stuff off of. Don't have any writing about it to go off of. A king who supposedly built this never said, look at what I built. Right. So they're dating it off of what? Well... The oldest kingdom we know of. Sure. Okay, well, yeah. I would say that Shock's got more evidence than anybody else does. But I'm not an archaeologist. God, so that's interesting. Where did the Sphinx come from? Oh, I think I can fill in that gap for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, some researchers at Caltech came up with mathematical evidence suggesting with one of them, I'll get into that later, 99.9% .9 surety, planet X. Why is it planet X? Roman numerals would say that that's the 10th planet. They call it planet nine, but it's been around for so long or theorized about for so long that Pluto was still a planet back then before they kicked it out of the planetary list of 
planets. Um, <laughs> so now they call it Planet Nine because it would be the ninth planet. But Planet X supposedly is deep in the solar system. It's a Neptune-sized planet. It's about 10 times the size of Earth. Um, they're saying that the theory is it, there's clusters of Kuiper Belt objects that have a weird gravitational draw that they can't figure out. It, it isn't impacted by any of the other eight planets in the solar system. That this thing is so far out there. It could be, they're theorizing, it could be a twin of the sun that went dormant and became a planet. Um, or that it's just its own thing. It's a planet itself. It takes between 10 and 20,000 years to make one orbit around the sun. The mathematical prediction says that this thing is about 20 times further from our sun than Neptune, and that it, at, at an average distance, Neptune, of 2.8 billion miles, Neptune rotates the sun every 165 years. So if this thing's that much further out there, you can see how it might be between 10 and 20,000 years. Do they, do they talk about how anywhere in your research, was there any part of the theory that speaks about how the, the orbit isn't circular? No, it's, it's more very, of like a, a oval looking very, type of orbit. Yes. Yeah. It, it's an odd ellipses around the sun. Yeah. It's, it's not at all circular. It's, it's very almost egg shaped. Yeah. If you wanted to, you know, put mm -hmm. that kind of thing on it. Um, so this planet itself 99.9% .9 certainty is it inhabited by anything <laughs> of course it is it's the, it, it's <laughs> the anunnaki right yeah, anunnaki so theory, the yeah. anunnaki is a legendary race that appears in the oldest preserved documents of mankind that come from ancient sumeria so the Sumerian civilization existed between 4100 BCE until around 1750. And the name Sumer actually means land of civilized kings. The Sumerians were once the group of people that actually divided time into hours and minutes throughout the day. I mean, these folks were advanced. Mm -hmm. How are they advanced? Anunnaki influence, perhaps. I don't know. Um, they had a complex religion involving gods and people that were coming to earth from the sky, and they called them the Anunnaki. So the Anunnaki were believed to be in charge of the Sumerian fates. Many myths involved members of the Anunnaki passing judgment on humans. Additionally, the gods were described as children's of the earth and sky because they would be depicted as descending from the heavens, mm -hmm. thus being gods. Um, some researchers believe that the Anunnaki are actual beings. One popular theory is that they came here from another planet. That planet, when it comes by, causes all kinds of celestial havoc. I would pull think, shift. Yeah. <laughs> with with the gravitational pull. With the gravitational pull. Yeah. If this thing is ten to twenty thousand 
you know, year cycle out, and it still has a gravitational pull to mess with things in the Coupier belt and the Oort cloud. You can imagine when it comes by, it's going to make some real problems yeah. for us. Especially, here. I, th I think it would start with water because even if you look at uh, the way the world, the natural world actually exists right now, for those who might not know, it, tides actually don't move. It's the gravitational pull from the moon mm -hmm. and the gravitational pull from the water and the earth, and the earth rotates yes. within that water ball. Uh, if a planet of this size were to come close, that tidal shift would move towards that gravitational pull, resulting in resulting in the sphinx and, 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 <laughs> and a the water damage. flood. Yeah. We're talking like yeah. floods on on the global scale that people can't even no, comprehend. Very Just, Noah's Arky. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Very Noah's And, and every, we talked about this in one of our past episodes, every civilization has that story, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every one of them. Yeah. The flood. Yep. And when you said, you know, well, we're dating it back to this. We don't know how many more advanced civilizations there were. There's theories out there that when this thing comes by, that there is a pole shift and the poles are heavy because they're water and ice. They're drawn into that gravitational pull. So they go from north and south to east and west. Wow, could you imagine? Creating that flood theory that could wipe out civilizations to the point there is no archaeological evidence of them. Nothing wow. exists. Not anymore. only that, but it would change the ice poles. So mm, so absolutely. then like if we if we take the earth the way she's at now on her tilted axis and we basically turn it to the side. Right. They become We're looking at, equatorial yeah. and everything else changes. All of a sudden that thus Atlantis could be a thing. I'm just <laughs> well, throwing some different show <laughs> options out there. Um, so why would these folks show up here? Why would the Anunnaki come to Earth? There's theories that they actually enslaved the human race to mine gold for them. Because as we had talked about prior to the show, you can't make gold. There's only a certain amount of it throughout the entire galaxy. A sun has to die. For a gold sun to has be to made. die yeah. in order for gold to be made. So they came here because they knew we had gold and they enslaved these folks to mine the gold for them. Hmm. So, you know, you hear about the Anunnaki and sometimes you hear that they're, you know, really tall, blonde hair, blue eyed. Maybe that's where people came from. I don't know. One of my favorite theories is that they're actually a reptilian race. That is a good one. And I was just going through the Denver International Airport. <laughs> and you and that airport. I, man. man I, I actually like to schedule two to three hour layover. Yes. Just to go explore. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful and you need place. In Denver actually. anyway. So it makes right. perfect sense. Right. And all of the signs about the lizard people and the underground layers. They've it's embraced like, it. They've embraced yeah. it. Yeah. But is it also maybe just like hiding in plain sight? That could be. Embrace it. That way people stop really investigating it. Okay, right. well, yeah, there it is. It's just, it's all a joke now. It's all a joke now. Yeah. Which, what do you do when something's pretty serious? You make a joke about it. <laughs> yeah. So the Anunnaki, um, they appear in the oldest documents preserved from Sumeria. And I mean, in great detail, I mean, chariots of the gods, things yeah. like that. I mean, it's it's well, well known that these things, these people, this planet existed. They came here 
technology, dividing time, building pyramids or sphinxes, sphinx eye. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's interesting because one of the researchers in this, Constantine Batigen, predicts that this planet is 99.9% real. And he actually went so far as to say that in 2046, 23 years from now, Planet X is going to show up. And see, this is where my argument comes in about why aren't we seeing it now? If it's that close, I if it's see, 23 years away, and I it can, takes 20,000 yeah. years to make that... It, it, and, and it doesn't even matter how long it takes to go around. I can look at galaxies mm -hmm. billions of light years away. I can just look up you can find an image anywhere and 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 yet we're not seeing this thing mm -hmm. which it, and if it's that size if it's 10 times earth size the size of neptune essentially it's going to stick out like a sore thumb you think you would be able to see it so what is it is it is it cloaked is it i don't know that's interesting but they say that a gravitational pull exists that they cannot explain. That they can't explain. Aside from this being an actual planet. So, would you say 23 20, years? 2046, 23 years from now. 23 years from now. Hopefully, I'll be around to see it. Well, that's kind of right. I mean, or yeah. hopefully, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> if, yeah, it's a, yeah. if it's the pole shift well, and the great flood yeah, and everything a else weeks ago, going We on. talked about the uh, ground zero of... Uh, of a Yellowstone, so maybe right, yeah. Ground zero of this might be just as bad. Well, and and so if if this planet were to come close enough to actually start changing things, number one, we would we would definitely feel the effects long before you could see it with your eyes. Mm -hmm. How close is this thing supposed to pass to Earth? So they don't necessarily know that. Because so Constantine Batigen and Mike Brown at the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena had announced some research that evidences the giant planet tracing an unusual elongated orbit, which we talked about. And they said that uh, they observed that the orbits of six trans-Neptunian objects in the Kupier belt seem to be clustered together. The clustering, they theorized, was due to the gravitational influence of this huge planet, but it's as far as 400 astrological units away. When you really think about that, Neptune is only like 38. Oh, wow, okay. And what's even more interesting, and. I always say this, you know, we know about science from scientific perspective. And science really has only been around planetarily since the 18th century. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's actually it's it's, it's really fresh. Still in its infant it's stages, pretty I would new. Say, yeah. When Pluto was discovered, right? Back in, I believe it was 1781, Pluto has yet to make a full rotation around the sun. Hmm. It takes it 248 years. So when you look at that and you say, we just discovered this, right? And it hasn't even made a full rotation around the sun. Could that lend credence to a lot of other inter interplanetary things that oh, we absolutely. don't know about? Yeah. 
A hundred percent. It's very, very bizarre. But again, I, I just, with all of our telescopes and all of our space telescopes, all of our, I mean, we've got telescopes that don't even look at light. They look at X-rays and gamma mm -hmm. rays and all these other different radi you know, radiations throughout space. We can see evidence of the Big Bang, but we can't see this. Right. So it would have to... But, you know, I mean, when you really think about that, you've got telescopes, you've got, you know, things that detect gamma rays, whatever. But we're looking like this. Yeah. Space is infinite. Yeah. So if you don't know where to look, if you don't know how to look, if, if it's something just so outside of the norm, yeah. yeah. Could you not see it? Maybe. Possibly. You can miss it. I don't, know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's some, uh, I think, well, the whole thing started from not being able to explain other orbits that we know, right? right. That there's got to be a gravitational force acting on them that we don't know what it is yet. I mean, that's kind of how the whole Planet X thing started when they couldn't explain the uh, Uranus orbit. Right. Uh, but then they discovered Neptune and Pluto. And that filled in some of the gaps, but not all of the gaps. So I'm thinking in order for something to be that far out, and still be captured by in, in the sun's orbit, it has to be pretty significant size. Right. Otherwise, it would just escape the orbit and, and go and out. And shoot off into yeah. wherever. So that kind of brings up some issues because of its size and not being able to see it. It, it could also just be that we don't really know the mass of Neptune very well. Like, if we overestimate the mass of Neptune, then our math isn't going to work out right. And how accurate do we know those measurements. I mean, right. we, we haven't been there to, you know, really measure it accurately. It's all based on very distant observations. So it could also just be that we don't have the the math right on the planets that we do know. And if you adjust that a bit, it might explain those yeah. those orbit uh, anomalies. It's very possible. Well, and I mean, we we have to keep in mind here, you know, the ingenuity of mankind is not something that I like to poo-poo at. I'm not big on those ancient alien shows that, that arrive at certain locations and say aliens built this <laughs> because we can't figure out how it, they built it, you know, how right. other people built it. Um, there's just certain sites that they've shown, you know, like within a, a frame of the TV show and they're like, look at how amazing this is. They didn't have technology to do this when if you were actually at that site and you just turned your head there's a whole pile of discard <laughs> stuff yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that they're intentionally that leaving didn't out. work yeah. Yeah. you know that okay well this don't fit so they throw it over their shoulder well they don't bother showing you the discard pile and as soon as i saw i mean it only took one youtuber who actually went to the site himself and he said here's what they showed you here's the garbage pile that didn't work you know I, okay well i'm out I'm, I'm not paying attention to those individuals anymore because now i feel like they're trying to pull wool over my eyes mm. um so well, and it's all it's all about the framing of it right because you visualize in your head the sphinx and the great pyramid right yeah what do you see vast open desert with those there Mm -hmm. One of the best pictures I've ever seen is somebody sitting in a McDonald's and they take a picture out the window of the Great Pyramids. Yeah. yeah. I've I don't been like, there. Right. I've been there. Yeah. So and it's, it's, that's city, how it is. The, the city goes right up right to up the plateau. To yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like you're on a camel for a day getting out to these things. Right. It's so out the back it's door. all about the framing of it. But so the Sphinx, you know, 
okay, 5,000 years old, 10,000 years old, 12,000 years old, it's still there. It's got the water erosion. A lot of indications are something happened. Mm -hmm. Would that be on the time frame of this? I don't know, because some people say it takes planet X between 7,500 and 18,500 years to make this pass by the Earth. If it's more in that 7,000, 7,500 year range, yes, that could be the lines up with a cataclysmic could, event. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. But did they build it? Maybe. I'm wondering about the water erosion. Um, I remember somewhere he, him saying it's vertical, that which is mm -hmm. why it's not wind, because wind is typically horizontal. But if it's vertical, that's not a flood, right? That's rain. That's rain. Yeah. Uh, persistent, constant rain. And, and the way that he describes it, you know, the way that rock is made up, uh, sedimentary rock, it's layers, right? Mm -hmm. And there are harder layers than others. And so these, these, you know, water finds the easiest path. And you can basically see where, well, this is softer rock. It's eroded away a little bit more. And then the harder rock doesn't erode away that much. And so, you know, you can kind of gauge that. Mm -hmm. And and he said, yeah, it's, it's thousands of years of water erosion. And I'm not totally sure when the last time it rained there, but it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it are, wasn't recent. Right. It does rain. I mean, there are records of downpours in decades, and we're talking thousands of years. It it, it has rained in the last you know five thousand years there for sure. Uh, enough for that to be noticeable. Uh, and then if you look at that, thousands of years of rain, how much wind erosion happened in that same time period? Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting thing too. Yeah. You know, when it comes to like these structures that we see around the world, you know, because then you, you could argue that. We haven't even touched on the pyramids, you know, right. and, and did, were those built by the individuals that, that we say they were? Well, if you look at the structure and the internal structure of the pyramid, I would say that's not a tomb. No. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it I, doesn't look like it was made to be a tomb. We'll, we'll get into that at some point. It was, <laughs> it was a power plant. And it may have been. It may have there's actually... Evidence, there's, there's a lot of new evidence, actually, that's come out that due to some of the soot buildup and some of the different things that it's very plausible. And you know, when it comes to ancient Summa, uh, that theory and, and you know, the, the chariots of the gods, which mm -hmm. was a book, um, uh, written by an individual who basically proposed this kind of right out of the gate, even if some of his theories were, were completely off the mark, some of them may be, much more plausible than anything else. And, and, and there are gaps to fill. And one thing that I don't like to do is to jump to conclusions just to fill the gaps. Right. Uh, like I said, in the beginning of the show, I think it's better that we all don't know rather than guess. Um, and, and scientists and historians basically make the best guess based on the best evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a guesstimation. It's a I guesstimation. Mean, it's, they're, yeah. they're taking what they know, what they've studied, and applying it and that's what we do as human people is <laughs> is we just do it based on our best estimation our best guess but is there something crazier that could be out there absolutely i mean we didn't discover pluto 
until, you know, 1700s. We don't know what's out there. We don't know. We don't know a lot of things, yeah. actually. I mean, we're, we're so young at discovery that it's easy to poo-poo something and say, wow, there's no big giant planet full of lizard people, <laughs> isn't there? I don't know. I mean, you used to be a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracist when you would talk about UFOs. Yeah. And then Congress holds hearings and sends out a redacted 86-page <laughs> paper that was two pages, really, yeah. by the time it boiled down, talking about UFOs. Is it a possibility? I don't like to throw anything off the table just... Yeah. out of hand saying, no, that's not possible. When there's a lot of evidence that point to different things, whether it be Planet X causing pole shifts, building pyramids, whatever, maybe. Hmm. I mean, the, the biggest thing about that is like when you're talking about things like that, this cataclysmic event will wipe out the evidence of it happening. Which is interesting because the pyramids and the Sphinx are there. So were they built in such a way that like they come back around and they're like, ah, told you'd still be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't, it, you never know. Cause I mean, if you really look at it, um, let's, let's, let's take a cataclysmic event. Uh, let's say the pole shift. No, like we literally spin. What would that do to New York, LA? All right. So let's say it puts them underwater. How long do you think those structures would actually be around? Oh, not Thousands very... of years? No. No, they no, wouldn't, not, they no wouldn't last forever, that's no, for sure. They, yeah. they would perish. The only thing that would really last, in my opinion, would be like Mount Rushmore. Right, stone. And mm -hmm. even then, the erosion would get to the presidents, mm -hmm. uh, whether, you know, yeah, you, after you thousands of years. You may not be able to tell years. that they were people specifically Perhaps. Like just figures of some sort figures of something yeah. some doubt yeah. yeah so i mean if you look at the sphinx you know and and the way it was built and let's say that uh, this cataclysmic event uh took it instead of instead of flooding let's say that that area tens of thousands of years ago was an oasis or even a a a rainforest and there is evidence of climate changing like that absolutely so let's say that it was built in a rainforest in a jungle not a desert mm -hmm. but a cataclysmic event happens shifting the poles changing the climate and then everything dies and then sand the topsoil vanishes it's blown away washed away whatever you want to say everything becomes sand blowing wind and it's just going to sit there in the sand to get blown i mean and buried which essentially, when when we originally found the Sphinx, it was buried. Mm -hmm. We had to unbury this thing. Um, so, I think things like this are completely plausible. I think, you know, that there were probably, maybe not super advanced. I'm not talking like flying cars and computers, <laughs> right? But advanced civilizations that existed thousands of years before our recorded history. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we live in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, well, we've, we've kind of touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Like an EMP would put us back to the Stone Age instantly. Instantly. Yeah. And so if, you know, that generations of rebuilding, a lot of that stuff's going to get forgotten. Yeah. And it could have happened before. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's mechanics out there who can sit there and say, hey, yeah, I can keep our car going my entire lifetime. Well, what about your son? Your son's son. What about your great-great-grandson? What about 
the progression on down the line. Right. Well, now that car is just a useless piece of junk sitting in the the front yard because a you don't have oil and or gas and or antifreeze to keep that thing running. It's useless. So it's going to age away and it's going to disappear after thousands of years. We don't have anything that is going to last thousands and thousands of years. So if an apocalypse hit and we essentially lost everything in one big whack, who would be left, you know, and what would they have to survive on? You know, I, look, I have a cell phone and I work it every single day. Can I tell you how it works? No. Can I repair it? Not at all. I have no idea how this stuff works. And the I thing just... is, a lot of that stuff, there is no one person that has that knowledge. That's right. It is a collective knowledge over generations that we all kind of rely on. And if that stuff goes away. If it's lost. And just a handful of random people survive. It's, there's there's not yeah. enough to connect all that together, and that knowledge is gone. Yeah. Have you seen some of these Egyptian statues uh, that that are just elegant and beautiful and, and just smooth, smooth? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden off to the side, it's like hand-carved hieroglyphs inside right. this thing. <laughs> it looks like graffiti. It doesn't uh-huh. look like, oh, well, that story was included on this piece of art. No, it looks like somebody walked by and like, oh, I'm going to knock a story of a pharaoh inside this thing real quick because <laughs> they're not smooth. Right there. It, it doesn't look like it was done by the exact same person or even the same group of people. It looks like somebody carved graffiti into a statue. Right. If you were to maybe survive the apocalyptic event, the water recedes, you find this area and you find these structures and you have nothing to go on, but you know, the natural world around you, which I'm going to assume you probably built a religion around to explain the natural phenomena of the world, because that's what we do. The gods are doing this. Don't do that. Or the gods are going to get mad at you. This rain is your fault for killing a chicken on Tuesday. You know, (laughs) things like that. Mm -hmm. We develop these things. Eventually you're going to come across this stuff and you're just going to adapt it. Mm -hmm. This was obviously left by the gods, right? This was left by the gods for us to develop a dynasty. And I think that's when the old kingdom actually arose. I'm not saying that they may have just come across it, but maybe they rediscovered it. Maybe they readapted that stuff for themselves. And, and the Sumerians, maybe they did the same thing. Or maybe the Anunnaki showed up. Right bred this uh, new crazy looking species of monkey to go, (laughs) you know, mine their gold. Well, and honestly, I mean, how brilliant is that? You're like, oh, well, we pass by every 18,000 years. We can get some more gold because we've enslaved this planet to do our bidding. And we'll leave them a couple of trinkets like an Anubis and (laughs) a Sphinx and whatever. And they can build their religion around that and the fact that we came down from the sky. But when we get back, we'll just make them work. (laughs) And I mean, here's the deal. When it comes to enslaving people and making them think that you're a god, we've done that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've done that. So, yes, I can see an ancient civilization doing that. You know, even if I were to take this cell phone 
and walk up to a tribal member who had never seen anything like that. That's magic. Baby. Oh, absolutely. That is absolute magic. And if I sit him down and go, oh, no, don't worry about it. Everybody has one of these. This is just technology. Well, what's technology? <laughs> right. I only know what happens on a day-to-day -day basis here. It, like, what do you got to work on? It's magic. And, and, if you and you're a god. Yeah. Yeah. And if you try to explain this to the civilization over and over and over, and you're like, they're just not catching on, man. Just go with the god thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, just you, go with you, it. You're going to talk to something that they can at least comprehend. Absolutely. And all yep. that other stuff is just goes right over their head. You know, and they tend to do. The old take me to your leader. Yeah. 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 And they tend to work a little bit harder if they think you're a god anyway. True. So, More motivation that way. You know, right. tell them that you'll bless them. And, and and just let him go dig the damn gold. <laughs> right? Yep. I've got work to do, and we're only going to be here for 500 years. Right. So let's get this moving. Yeah. Maybe. It's practical. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I if, would, if 2046 rolls around. This, yeah, I hope I'm here. <laughs> and lizard people descend from the heavens. I'm not going to think they're gods. No. But you're going to text but me I'm, and be like, told you. <laughs> totally going to I, be yep. telling a lot of people told you so. Yep. Time for one last hot dog. Yep. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Madison. <laughs> I don't know. But, if you know, in that time frame, if they show up and uh, it's just really curious as to what would happen. What would you, you know, is this like coming across a Petri dish and all of a sudden you realize, man, I left that mold in there too long. <laughs> right. Wow. Look at that. Just took well, over the whole really Petri dish. changed. Yeah. Man. <laughs> or is it that, you know, they, they swing back by, they know that it's that destructive because they're like, yeah, this has gone too far. Let's start over. Or they never left. They're in the water where their cities used to be, but those cities are so deep that we have no idea of their exact. I mean, come on, we don't know anything about the ocean. Atlantis. We know more about space than we know about the ocean. Oh, so let's let's stop saying that we know everything that's down there. Oh yeah, they they don't. They theorize nothing can live in the Marianas Trench, right? Because the pressure's too much. It's too dark. It's too everything teeming with life all over the place well, yeah. I think they, but used to, they used to think that the titanic would be more preserved than it is right because they underestimated how much life was going to be down there mm -hmm. and that thing is degrading pretty quickly yeah. so yeah but who that's knows? again that's a, that whole thing and when people say well it's science i go right and they don't know that much yeah. really yeah. <laughs> i mean we theorize that we know about science we can just take the evidence that we have and and a good scientist is going to say that all I'm working on is the evidence. Mm -hmm. I can't draw any big conclusions. I can give you a thesis. I can give you a theory about when this all went down, but we don't know. And a good scientist is going to say, we have no idea. Well, yeah, there is no evidence of an advanced civilization None. you know, that far back. Yeah. But the thing is, if the theories we're talking about are true, there wouldn't be. Right. right? So what can you do about that other than just say, maybe? The other crazy rabbit hole jackalope hole you could go down with this is where are pyramids located all over the world all mm -hmm. over the world and on specific ley lines so that brings in a whole nother level to this of what is that you've got civilizations separated back then by forever Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they weren't hopping in a canoe and going across the ocean. It just wasn't <laughs> happening. And they all have pyramids. So what if they all migrated to those areas coming from 
a single advanced civilization that used that as its primary building. Or what if it is, you know, the S that we've all drawn? There's that S. That, yeah, that, I know the yeah, S, yeah. yeah. I mean, humanity has this connection with that S that no one seems to know why. True. What if pyramids are just stuff that humans build? No, like, yeah. I mean, and that's, it's, and it's, maybe. A, it's a kind of a, it's a good solid structure that doesn't fall apart really well. I mean, things kind of naturally will stack that way. Mm -hmm. You get a, a box of Lego bricks, you build a pyramid out of it. Maybe that's just things that humans do. And it's just one of those weird coincidences. And there's actually a, a, a theory on, of a phenomena that actually occurs where we as a species will come up with an idea. Cause have you ever been looking at something and been like, that was my idea. Why didn't I act oh, on yes. that? All the time. It's, it's this universal thought that we're all connected. And if it's time for something, if you yeah. don't act on your idea, someone else will. There've been a number of times where these scientists working independently at almost the same time, come up with something and right. it's happened several times through history absolutely and it's done it enough where people believe that's a natural phenomena if it's time for something then it's going to happen if you don't do it so back someone then it was else will pyramid time <laughs> maybe <laughs> but see but see if you really look at it, the pyramid isn't just practical it's easy to build it's a general structure i can look at somebody and say this is what i want to build and they've got it nailed down they know how to do that now make stairs going up it or i want it completely slicked down the sides whatever right i mean what is a pyramid it's a man-made mountain that's all it is and when we look around and we say what is here all the time what has weathered everything it's a mountain mm -hmm. So if I was going to build a structure that I want to be around for a while, I'd probably build a pyramid. It's just weird, though. Pyramids, like what purpose did it serve? Human sacrifice, power plant. I mean, it's not like, well, we're going to build this pyramid and have office space in there where <laughs> things will get, you know, I mean, it was like, no, but it's what... a big, giant structure. Why? walk up to the top and you can talk to your god <laughs> or does there need to be a why it may just look cool maybe you might just do it, it i mean humans do a lot of that well too. if you uh, okay look at the the formation of the catholic church now look at how they built their cathedrals they're big they're open with high ceilings for a reason because when you walk in there it's like walking into a large open chasm mm. you instantly get this feeling that falls over you that this space is godly that god's that house. this mm -hmm. is god's house it is bigger than me those are constructed that way on purpose because you just came from a little peasant's hut that was nothing and now you walk into a cathedral made of stone with stained glass when you speak it echoes off of that stone it it presents power pyramids are the same thing when when you know you went to go make your sacrifice in south america you had to look up to the priest who was at the top of a mountain mm -hmm. where he controlled the weather where he controlled the sacrifice where he spoke directly to the gods you weren't able to get up that high you know it, i think it's just something innately human about having something high on a mountain that's very possible. Yeah, it works for me. But, <laughs> but again, at the same time, maybe there was a species from Planet X who came down, found this odd, quick-thinking little monkey, and decided, you know what? I'm going to use it. 
mm-hmm. and I'm going to build a couple pyramids and I'm going to teach them how to do it because it's easy for them to do. And this dummy here knows how to build a pyramid. And I leave that. And then that tribe, after a catastrophic event, migrates throughout the world. Or find, rediscovers it and retells our story. Maybe. I'm just hoping for lizard people. <laughs> I mean, I just... <laughs> yeah, let's like, make them attractive, at least. I mean, come on. Let's have some fun with it. See, the best part about everything that I think you pre- pre- presented today is within my lifetime, we might be able to actually yes, see this Yes, that's happen. the great thing that, about it. I like that. Yeah. That's exciting. Like, that gives I, me something to look forward to. I'm, I'm on board with you as to if it's going to show up in 23 years... We should be feeling we the effects of it now. We should be seeing, yeah. feeling something. The coming yeah. attractions ought to be playing by now. Look, you know, the fact of the matter is you can, let's say that you have a technology that can hide an entire planet. Okay. You cloak it. You're not cloaking the gravitational pull. No. You not can't at all. do that. You can't. And and if this massive planet is coming towards us, then it, we are going to start seeing gravitational shifts in our solar system that are unavoidable that are just you you can't not see it our satellites will not be able to not read this thing coming forward and if if it is then the government is hiding it maybe the government's walking around <laughs> saying look man. well that can't possibly be no. the case <laughs> yeah you know that's for a different show but the fact of the matter is if the government's of the world were to come together and basically say by the way all of your religions are complete schlep and Mm -hmm. you're about to see this massive planet just uncloak in front of you everyone stay calm (laughs) right we saw what happened when we asked people to put on masks right yeah well interestingly enough one of the theories is that there's still quite a population of lizard people here Mm -hmm. waiting Mm -hmm. for them to come back maybe which Can would you explain imagine? DIA, which would explain, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though, you go back and you look at, at certain people of influence, whether it be Rothschilds or Bilderbergs or Fords, and there's some lizardy looking folks. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, seriously. Yeah. And it's, it's a little weird that they're the most influential, powerful, monetized people throughout history little lizardy check it out yeah ford was slimy but i don't know if i'd call him a little, <laughs> like a little lizardy slimy or scaly <laughs> steve you know what uh give us the last word on this buddy well i think it's kind of interesting the uh like the current youngest generation does seem to have a different outlook on the future from all the generations that have come before it it could be a sign of something coming maybe the mm. time is you know like you said it's just the time for this it's the time for that it kind of happens so uh, i guess we need to keep looking at them and maybe keep looking up too yeah absolutely i just hope i'm around when that planet shows up <laughs> all right you've been listening to the jackalopes explore <laughs>